So we're going to go ahead and jump in. We're almost done with our, our series that we've entitled Essential Tools. We have this week and then next week, and then we're going to, next week we'll kind of wrap it all up. But uh, if you've been kind of following or watching, what we've been doing is we've been taking uh, tools that I think are very essential to our lives, tools that, that we can use, especially as we kind of go out on our own, and, and tools that kind of every home should have probably in one way or another, and also then relating those tools to some spiritual spiritual tools that I feel are essential in our life as a Christian. These are things that I think are a part of who we are, a part of what we should do and what we should have in our spiritual toolbox. And so we've talked about different things. We've talked about uh, the hammer and the level and the measuring tape. And and so what I've been doing is been bringing out my, my toolbox and been getting in here and... Um, Bringing it out so that you could see what tool we're going to be talking about this week. The problem is, this week, um, my toolbox is actually completely empty. um, Because the tool will not fit in my toolbox. So, if you would excuse me, I need to go get the tool. It's right back here. And so, uh, let me get the tool that we're going to be using this week. This week, what we're going to be using... Again, it's not going to be something that's going to fit in your toolbox, but I think is very important. And I'm going to set this up, and so we're good to go here. So, obviously, this week, we're going to be talking about the ladder. The ladder. Now, I'm probably out of the shot right now, but that's okay because I'm not worth seeing anyway. So, you got a nice shot of my knees on Father's Day. The ladder. We're going to be talking about the ladder. A ladder is a great thing. Now, for all of you that didn't know... The best use of a ladder is not painting, it's hanging up Christmas lights. If that comes as a surprise to you, there's, you, you haven't been paying attention the last almost three years, okay? That is the best use of a ladder. That's why you need a ladder in your house. If you have light bulbs that go out that you can't reach, who cares? You have a ladder to hang Christmas lights. Or, if you're really amazing, you have a, a like, you know, 20-some foot tree and you can only hang the ornaments with said ladder. Um, but that's why you have a ladder, of course. But a ladder is an important tool that you need around your home. It's something that you can use. And the spiritual tool that we're going to be talking about is going to relate to the ladder. And I feel like it is a vital tool. But before we jump in, let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time. Father, we just pray you just take this word. And Father, that you would just use it to bless. You'd use it to help us see and understand what your word and what you want to show us and tell us. Father, I believe this is a tool that is essential to our lives in spiritual ways. And so, Father, I pray that you would help me to communicate that in a way that, that, that makes sense, that's appropriate, and that's clear. And, Father, I know that I can only do that with your help. So, Father, will you help me to do that? We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, like I said, we've been talking about a physical tool that will relate to a spiritual tool. And this tool that we're going to be doing is this. The latter relates to the finances of God. The latter relates to the finances of God. And I think this is important that we understand this. This is kind of one of those things that un- unfortunately we can kind of miss. It sometimes becomes something that, that takes place later on. But it is something I believe that as Christians we need to be people that are givers. We need to be people that give. Uh, one of our, kind of our values around here is, is we understand that God gave generously so we should give generously. Now obviously this morning we're going to be talking about money and, and things of that nature, which I think is very important because Jesus talked more about money than any other thing. 
He talked more about finances more than any other topic in the Gospels when he was here. And I think that's important that we realize that. And the reason why we need to understand that is because I think, if this will make sense, I was thinking about it this week, like, how do I explain this? How do I make sense of this? And when I was a kid back in, uh, back in Kansas City when I was growing up, we had a Christmas uh, year, one year, and, and I got something very cool that I thought was really neat and enjoyed playing with it, enjoyed looking at it. And what I got was a microscope. Okay, one of these microscopes, and it came with slides, you know, it was really cool. Um, I wasn't always really good at science, but, but microscope, that was really cool. And so it came with little slides of, of, of feathers and, and probably bugs and all this sort of stuff. And, and, and so what you would do, of course, is you'd get your microscope out and, and put your slide down, and you'd look through the microscope, and you, you look all scientific, and it was all great. And when you think about it, in some ways, money and finances in our lives is a lot like that microscope. What the microscope does is it doesn't change what is being shown in the microscope. Meaning, if it's a feather, it's always a feather. It's not changed. When you look at it, it's bigger. It's been expanded. It shows you in greater detail a little bit about that feather. But it doesn't change the feather. And that's what money is. That's what finances are. They are really a microscope. They show us things that are mostly maybe sometimes hidden or things that we couldn't see. It's important that we understand that. It's important that we use money in a way that we need to, not just how we spend it, but how as a microscope in our heart and our lives. If you see the things that Jesus taught, we're going to look at some of those things this morning, you're going to see something interesting. He used it as a microscope. He used it for a way for us to see where our hearts were. He talks about that. He said, listen, where your treasure is, is where your heart is. He understood the connection there. And he understood that if we need to use the ladder the proper way, our hearts have to be in the right way and have to be in the right place. So let's look at this together as we jumped into point number one. The finances of God relate to a ladder. Here's why. The ladder is a tool that we use to help us accomplish something that we cannot reach without it. And this is the important part you need to understand. God doesn't bless you financially just to bless you. God blesses you so you can be a blessing to someone else. Okay? That's an important understanding here. Okay? God doesn't bless you just to bless you. He blesses you because he wants to partner with you to reach something that you couldn't on your own. Why do you need a ladder? Okay, if, if I can, if, if a, one of these light bulbs goes out, which happens in here, okay, I have to use, I can't just reach over, walk under it and go like this and magically make the light bulb come out. I've got to use a ladder. When, when the lights up here go out, we have a really long ladder. I do not do this because that's, this scares me and I don't even like watching John do it because it scares me. But John will go way, way high up there and be doing whatever. And I can't watch that. Like, like I'm, I get all yicky feeling, you know what I mean? Like, I think I could maybe do it with, with, you know, with enough courage, but, but like, it really freaks me out to watch up because I'm, in my mind, I'm going, he's going to fall, he's going to fall, and go splat, and that's not good. But why do you need a ladder? You need a ladder because you can't reach it on your own. God wants to partner with us through our finances to be a blessing to others. Things that we couldn't do on our own. Because here's the thing. Here's what you need to understand. Hear me here. Hear my heart on this, okay? God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your talents or your time either. God chooses to partner with us. 
That's an amazing thing that we need to understand sometimes, is that God wants to partner with us to accomplish some really amazing things. But we have to be willing to understand that. We have to be willing to give out of what God has given us. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse number 8. This is what it says. And God will generously provide all you need. Isn't that beautiful? Let's stop there for a second. God will provide all that you need. Okay. Do you have a need? God will provide it. No, no, I'm serious. You have a need, God will provide it. Now, now, listen, it doesn't say God will provide all you want. And it doesn't say God will provide what you need in the way you think you need it. But he says he'll provide in his wisdom all that you need. And then, then we have the second part of the verse. Because sometimes we see the first part of the verse and we forget there's a second part of the verse. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You know, I'm going to speak personally about this. You know why sometimes I have a hard time sharing Because God has provided everything I need, but I don't feel like I've gotten everything I want. Do you see the difference? Now listen, this isn't about saying, well, don't pay your mortgage, or don't save, or don't retire. No, 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 no. Okay? This is about understanding that God's going to provide for us. And because of that, because of that blessing, we can be a blessing to someone else. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. In Proverbs 3, this is what it says. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all, your, of all you produce. Now, what is this concept here of first fruits? And we're not going to get into a real deep study. If you're interested in that, I, I, you can come to my office later on and I'll bore you for an hour. Okay? But, but, but we can talk about first fruits. What that concept really is, is that sometimes what we end up doing is we think, well, God gets what's left over. That's not the concept of first fruits. The first fruits is the first of what you have. You give out of that. You don't give what's left. You don't see what's left. And then, okay, well, God gets the scraps. You give what comes first. And again, this has a beautiful promise with it. We have to see the second part of the verse. Then your barns will be filled with plenty... And your vats will be bursting with wine. You see, God wants to do amazing things. God wants to bless you. Okay? Now listen to me. Hear me here. This is not some prosperity gospel nonsense that's just, I say lots of things that I'm not going to right now. Okay? This is understanding that God wants to meet your needs so that you can partner with him to make a difference in the lives of other people that you come in contact with. And whether it be financial, whether it be prayer, whether it be through your talents or your giftings or your time, all of those things are things that God can use to make an impact on our world. And it's so important that we need to understand that. But we've got to be givers. We've got to be givers. Number two, let's look at the second thing. We're going to look at a parable of Jesus concerning God's finance. And we're going to go look through this. And I know that this is probably one we, you've heard before, but I think it's very important. And Jesus teaches on this because it, it deals with not just the financial stuff, which is, which is obvious, but some of the other issues and the, the time and the talents that are also important. So we're going to be in Matthew 25. 
And what we're going to do is we're going to start with verse number 14, and we're going to go through this parable together. We're going to break it down. We're going to look at a couple things, and then we're going to really learn and see what we can learn from it and use some things, some uh, application ideas. So let's start with Matthew 25, 14, and this is what it says. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Now, we have to understand something. A parable is a story with a point, okay? And a lot of times, the people in the parable represent different people. And a lot of times, in parables, you have basically, a roughly, not all of them, but most of them, you have basically three main characters. You have the individual that plays God, you have the individual that plays us as Christians, and usually you have the individual that plays people that don't know God. Or the people, or maybe, maybe this will help you, the, the, the people that do the right thing and the people that do not do the right thing. So in this story, in this parable, obviously the, the man going on a long trip is God. If this will make sense to you, he's the boss, okay? He's the boss and he has some employees and he calls his employees to him. And he says, listen, I'm going on a trip. And he entrusts them with something important. I think we need to catch this, okay? Because sometimes we miss it. He entrusts them with his money. Not their money. His money. Okay? We'll get to that in more detail later. But he starts and he says, I want you to take this money. He is asking his employees to partner with him to do some great things. That's what he's doing. So he calls them together. Now, let's continue with Matthew 25, uh, verse number 15. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it into proportion to their abilities. Then he left on his trip. Let's continue. Verse number 16. Is it there? There it is. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. So what we see here is quite obvious. We have the first two servants that have been given something amazing from their master. Listen, this is, this is valuable. This is a bag of silver. This is, this is, they are entrusted with something great, okay, that can do great things. They're entrusted with some pretty tall, pretty strong ladders, that the master wants to partner with them to do some great things. The first to invest it. The first to take that time, that talent, that treasure, whatever it is. And they invest it. And they begin to see some amazing things come about. Okay? Something you need to understand. And please hear me on this. When God has given you things and he's given us all things. He expects a return on his investment. He expects it. Why? Because he knows what he's given you can do great things when you use it for him and with his help. Do you understand? This isn't, this isn't taking it and putting it into a stock that you hope hits. This isn't putting it and saying, oh boy, I hope I get enough interest. This is partnering with God. And he knows that when we do that, we're going to see some great returns. We're going to be able to reach things that we haven't. But the final guy, he digs a hole. He digs a hole. And something I think we need to catch here, and it's in your notes, it's this, because I think it's easy to miss. God gave his servant money from heaven, and he buried it in the earth. Think about that. 
God gave him money from heaven. He gave him blessings from God and he buried it in the earth. And so I want to ask you a simple question. Have you buried your money in worldly things? Have you buried your money? Have you buried your time? Have you buried your treasure? Have you buried your talents in worldly things? You say, Aaron, what's a worldly thing? It's quite simply this. It's something that is not going to last for all eternity. That's a worldly thing. Now you go, well, well, does that mean I should live in a cardboard box? No, it's not what I'm saying here. It's not what I'm trying to communicate here. That's not what God has communicated. Jesus does not say money is wrong or evil. It's a situation we need to understand that we need to know we're using this ladder for things that are eternal. Okay? For eternal things. And here's what's great. If we understand that concept of first fruits, we'll understand the concept of using God's money, God's time, God's under, uh, talents, all those things first. And then with what's left, we can use that for other areas and other things. Okay? So it's a crucible question. Have you buried your money, your, your, yourself, your time in worldly things? Now let's continue. Matthew 25, uh, verse number 19. It says, after a long trip, their master returns. So he's now he's coming home. And he's called them to give an account of how they had used his money. We talked about this a little earlier. You need to remember something. All of us are going to stand before God one day. Every single human being, every single person, we are going to stand before God and we're going to give an account. Okay? So this is the, a picture of that in this parable. So God has now called his employees... And said, it is now time to give an account. And this is what happens. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with the five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. Let's continue with verse 21. The master was full of praise. Now listen, I, this is so important that you catch this. Okay? Because I don't know if you've ever been to a funeral. I, I think most of us probably have. But you know what verse I, I always hear quoted as in a funeral most of the times? It's this one. It's, it's him saying this to this individual. You have been, he's, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Listen, isn't that a beautiful thing? We should all want one day to hear God look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. What is the context of that statement? The context here is him taking what he's been given and using it for God's glory. You want God to say that to you? You want to be a good and faithful servant? Use the latter. Use the things that God has given you to make his name great. To make his name, to bless others that he places in your path. What a beautiful thing. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You know what we, a lot of times we, we, we say as a church or as people? God, I want more. God, give us more people. God, give us more responsibility. God, give us more money. God, give us more this. God, give us more that. God, 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 God give, 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 give. You know what's interesting? I believe this, I really do believe, God wants to bless us. God wants to do great things in our heart and use us to do great things. But listen, some of us haven't been faithfully handling the small things yet. You want more? Let's handle the small things. 
You want God to use you in a greater way? That's an awesome thing. That's an awesome prayer. That's what we should all desire. But you know how that happens in a lot of ways? We take care of the small things. And what's interesting to me is in this story, guess what the small thing is? Five bags of silver. What to us is very valuable. But he says, oh, that's a small thing. That's a small thing. Remember, it's a microscope. It's helping us see where our hearts are in greater detail. When God looks at the money and God looks at these things, God doesn't see it this great sacrifice. A great sacrifice is him giving his son for us. We're going to see why, that's, why, why, why this isn't such a great sacrifice in a minute. But, but you need to understand that. This is a small thing. That's why this is an essential tool. This isn't an advanced tool. This is an essential tool. Okay, so let's continue now. Starting with verse 26. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Let me help you with something, because this is important you catch this. God was not so impressed with the amount. He was impressed with the faithfulness of the servant to invest it. You get that? A lot of times we, we get that thing, oh, well, well, I can't give much. I can't. The amount is not the issue. The same praise, the same celebratory idea, the same well done statement happens to both. It happens to both. In fact, we see in scripture where Jesus looks at the widow who gives basically little pennies out of her, just a little bit. And Jesus' response to that is she's given more than everybody else. It's not about the amount. It's about being faithful with what God has given you. It's about using your ladder no matter how short it is or how tall it is. You know, because what's great about a ladder is, listen, you can get really, really tall ones that get you really, really high. And you can get some step stools that we use in our kitchen to reach tall cabinets. Both of them are going to help you succeed in doing what you need to do. So listen, whether you go, but but my ladder is not this big, it's okay. It's okay. Use the ladder God's given you to do amazing things, to be used by him. So now let's continue. Verse number 26. Or 24. It says, then the servant uh, with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I know, I knew you were a harsh man investing in crops that didn't plant, you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. So the last servant comes. He's got to give an account too. And he basically says, here's what you gave me. Here it is. You're welcome. Look at God's response to this servant. Okay, and I think this is important. Let's look at verse number 26 through 28. It says, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops where I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least you could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. And this brings us to a very important verse in this story that a lot of times we don't focus in on. Okay, And this is kind of going along with this idea. And it's found in verse number 29. Okay, And this is what the, how the parable basically ends. It says, to those, this is, if this will help you, this is the moral of the story. Got it? Okay. To those who use well... What they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. What, 
what does the word abundance mean? Okay, now I, I know I could have gone and looked up in Webster's, but to, abundance to me means this. Okay, this is the Aaron definition. To have an abundance is more than you need. That's an abundance. Okay, more than you need. They will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. In that verse, we see this concept of God saying, listen, I have placed in your life a spiritual ladder that you are to use to make a difference in your world. If you'll do that, I will bless you with more and more and more. You will have an abundance. But if you do not, it'll be taken from you, even the little you have. You ever met somebody that just feels like, you know, we have a word for this. It's called a miser. That just kind of greedily grabs and just holds on to things. And so what's interesting about that mindset, it doesn't matter if they have a little or a lot. They have the same idea, which is, it's mine. And, and I hold it tight. It becomes more than, than, than what it should be. So let's look at this. Let's look at some applications as we kind of close out this morning. What can we learn from this parable? What can we learn from this parable? The first thing, and I think this is probably one of the most important things to understand in our life, is this. God owns it all. Okay? Listen to me. Hear me. God owns it all. Okay? Look at Psalms. This is an awesome verse. Psalms 24.1. This is what it says. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Okay? Everything in it. Okay? Whatever you got in here... It's God's. Whatever you drove here, it's God's. Whatever you're watching this on at home is God's. It all belongs to God. The world and all its people belong to him. It's all God's anyway. It's his. It's his. Now, what does that mean? Okay? What does that mean? Let me help you with this. Because this is is important that you catch this. What does that mean? It means God is the owner. If God's the owner, you're not. Okay? Only one person or one couple, if that'll make sense, can own a house. Go with me here. I know, oh, well, you know, you got a mortgage. Just go with me here. Okay? You can't own the house with me unless you pay me lots of money. You get what I'm saying here. Okay? Only one person, quote unquote, or a couple can own a car. We are not the owners of what we have. We are a lot like the leasees or the renters of what we have. Now, let me help you understand this so we can get this understood. My son and I and, and, and my wife puts up with it. We like to watch this show on TV. And I can tell you the show, but I'm not going to. Uh, just it's not important. But it's a show where these guys drive cars and we like cars. And so it's great and fun and all this sort of thing. And a lot of times what they'll do is on this show, they will have a race. And this is one of my favorite things that they do. And in this race, they will race a car with something else. Last night we were, we were home and we watched one of these episodes and, and they raced a car from New York to Buffalo, New York and the other guys had to ride buses and trains and the subway and they wanted to see would you get there faster. And I love those episodes. I think they're fun and, and crazy things always happen. But anyway, in one of these episodes, they're in New Zealand and they're going to race one of those really fancy schmancy like racing yachts. I don't know if that's what it's called, but I think you get what I'm saying. You know, one of those really crazy things. And, and the other guy's going to race a, a car across New Zealand or around or something like that. And so they're getting ready to start it. And the one guy says, guess what? And he says, what? He goes, to, to, to do our challenge today, the guy with the car, he said, I have I've gotten the fastest car 
are in the world for our race. And so you're sitting there going, what in the world? Is that a Bugatti? Is that a Lamborghini? Is that a Ferrari? What is it? And then, he, and then he, they pan out. And it's like, like, a, like, a, like, a, like a Ford Fusion or something like that. I mean, I don't know what it is. I can't remember. Or it was like a Toyota Camry. I think that's what it was. Like a Toyota Camry. And he goes, aha, there it is. The fastest car in the world. And the other guy looks at him funny, and then the light bulb comes on. And he goes, oh, no. He's like, yes. He goes, oh, no. He goes, yes. He said, you rented it, didn't you? (laughs) And he says, yes. And he has convinced us. He goes, goes, the fastest car in the world is a rental car. Why? Why? Okay, let's stop and let's think about this. And you don't, don't raise your hand because, you know, I know that rental car companies aren't doing so well right now, but we don't want them to come find you, okay? You don't take care of a rental car. You get a rental car, and what's the first thing you do in a rental car? It's like four cylinders, 100 horsepower. You're all excited. You drive that thing like you're, it's going out of style. You know, I always like the people that I'm in line with because I'm not a big, like, insurance guy. I'm like, I want to be careful. But the people are like, sir, would you like insurance on the car? And they're like, yes, everything. You know it's like that car is going to come back in pieces. <laughs> and so in the show, boy, he does, man. He gets all the insurance, and he just goes like he just, like his hair is on fire. And he goes, fastest car in the world. And he makes a comment. He said, listen, if you had... If you really did have the fastest car in the world, you wouldn't drive it like that. You'd take care of it better. And there's a difference here between a rental and something you own. Now, even more so, let's take it one step further. Let's say you come to me and you say, Aaron, listen, my car's in the shop. It's all broken up and and it's going to be... And I say, oh, I'm so sorry. And I say this, I say, would you like to borrow my car? You know, I know your car's in the shop. You know, we're, we're, we have two cars, and we can, we can make it work for a week or whatever. Would you like to borrow my car? And, and, and a lot of times people would say, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, oh, that would be great. Thank you so much. You know what I would believe? I believe you would take care of my car better than you would take care of a rental car. Now, why is that? You don't own either one. Neither one are things you own. These are things you are being lent to use for a time. Just like everything God gives us. But here's what I've learned. The more you know and have a relationship with the owner, the better you'll take care of what the owner let you borrow. Think about that. Listen, if you come to me and and it's me and I need a car, I'm going to take really good care of that car. Because I understand we have a relationship. And out of your love and out of your kindness and out of your concern, you are letting me borrow that. Look at your notes. When we are close to Jesus, you are going to treat everything he gives you better than if you don't know him at all. Okay? Listen, hear me on this. Because you need, you need to really understand what I'm saying here. Because you can take it the wrong way. Okay? And, and, and this is a very blanket statement, and I understand that, but hear my heart on this. A lot of times I can tell where you are in your spiritual walk with Jesus and how close you are by the way you give. Because you understand it's not yours anyway. You understand that you are not the owner of what you have. You are a lessee of that. 
And your relationship with Jesus a lot of times can show us that. Why? Why does God say, I love a cheerful giver? Because a cheerful giver understands that it's not yours anyway. And God has blessed you. And with every need that you have. And it's an amazing thing. Next, number two, God wants us to be investors. God wants us to be investors. He doesn't want us to just take what we've been given and dig a hole in the ground. He wants investment. He wants investment in things that are life-changing. He wants investment in things that are eternal. Listen, we're really good at investing things that are going to be destroyed one day. And we need to be people that invest in something deeper. Look at 2 Corinthians 9.6. Remember this. Remember this, Paul tells them. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Listen, one day we're all going to stand before God. And I want my life to have produced a generous crop. I don't want to share some of the things that my wife and I talked about last night. But folks, you need to hear this. You need to understand this. And those that are home, you need to hear this too. We don't have a lot of time. The harvest is coming soon. And it is really easy to invest a little, to see how little I can give. To see how little I can invest. Listen, I want to stand before God one day and get a, have a generous crop. Not, not so God can go, way to go, Aaron. But because I want there to be souls in heaven. Because I used the ladder of God to make a difference in people's lives. It's important that we are investors. What's an investment? An investment is taking something and you put it into something with the idea and the belief that it's going to get greater and there'll be a greater return. That's what we want. That's what God has called us to do. That's what the men in the story did that did it right. They didn't, they invested it. Remember what Jesus, or God says? He says, listen, you, this isn't about interest. You realize that, right? He says, you could have at least done that. He wants investment. He doesn't, what, what's interest do, folks? Interest sits there and does nothing. And you get very little interest on that, don't you? You get, you get a savings account? Ooh, what kind of interest rate did you get on your, on your savings account? 0.2%. Good! I don't even know, I'm, I'm horrible at math. I'm assuming in a year you'll get a penny. And hey, listen, this is what God says. Hey, that's better than nothing, folks. That's better than nothing. But that's not what God's called us to do. God's called us to invest into what he's doing and into those things. The final thing is the worship team wants to come up as we're going to close. God is a giver and he's called us to be givers. God is a giver and he's called us to be givers. Look at this verse that everybody knows, but it's important that we remember. Look at John 3, 16. For this is how God loved the world. He gave. He gave. He gave Something so precious and so valuable. He gave his only son. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. He gave it all. Look at Acts 20, 35. And I have been a consistent example of how you can help those in need by working hard. 
you should remember the words of our Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than receive. I remember I talked about this a couple years ago when we were going through our, um, our series on kind of our, our values and our things that matter here at Broomfield Assembly. And like I said before, one of the things that we value here is generosity because that's the, the, the model that God has given us is the model of generosity. And because God gave, we, gave, we give. And, and, and we talked about this before, but it's, it's always good to have a reminder. You realize that everything God's created is a giver except us? I mean, here, it's starting maybe to peek out. Um, God made the sun. Sun gives us light, gives us warmth. I mean, my son really likes these animal nature shows, you know? He likes to watch those, and so I will watch them with him, and I enjoy that because he enjoys it. You know what's amazing about those shows? How the animals give. We'll, we'll go out and we'll go on a hike, or, 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 or the creation gives, and, and, and we'll see a, a tree that's, that's dead. And um, sitting there, and Easton will look at the tree and smile real big, and he'll talk about all the bugs that are eating that tree. Or, or, you know, an animal will do this, and because an animal does this, it connects with this, and it does this. You realize the only creation that has a hard time giving is us. Everything around you gives. You look at the tree and you go, uh, and again, I'm not good at science, but I, I know trees somehow give us oxygen somehow. I don't know. In and out, whatever. All of you think I'm dumb now and that's fine. I'm good for that, okay? But I, I do know the trees give. Hey, man, guess what? In a couple months, hopefully we're going to go out to an apple orchard and we're going to pick apples off a tree. We're going to get what that tree gave. We're the only ones that have trouble with it. We're the ones that need to understand that it's God's anyway. We're the ones that, listen to me, hear me, need to start using this ladder. And listen, here's the beautiful part of this. And I talked about this earlier. No matter how big or small your ladder is, God knows the size of your ladder. And God is not, listen, it would not make sense, and God doesn't do this, for God to call me and say, okay, Aaron, I'm calling you to change that light bulb right there, and this is the ladder I'm giving you to do it. He didn't do that. Remember the story. He gave them what they needed according to what they could do with his help. Some of you go, but Aaron, all I got is a step stool. And I'm going, yes, yes, you do. Let's use it for God's glory. Some of you may have a taller ladder which we need to use for God's glory. The point is, is an essential tool is something that we have been given by God to use. He didn't just bless you to bless you. He blessed you to be a blessing to others. So let's pray. Father, we come to you right now and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. And Father, I believe that that you have called us all to be givers. And God, I don't, I know sometimes certain people might think, well, 
you know, the pastor's just talking about money and, and, uh, and all he cares about is money. And, and God, you know my heart, and that couldn't be further from the truth. I want people that I love and that I care about and that I've been called the shepherd, I want them to live in obedience to what you've asked them to do. I want them to experience the blessing of partnering with you in doing amazing things. I want them to have the awesome experience of partnering with you to accomplish the things that they couldn't do without your help. And God, whether that is financial, whether that is talent, whether that is, whatever that is, whatever thing that you've given them. That's why I didn't say the money of God. I said the finances of God, trying to encompass it all. And so Jesus, I pray that we would understand. We would follow the model that you've laid out. We want to hear good and faithful servant. Because we We're faithful with the ladder and the finances of God. So God, help us because as we said, it doesn't come natural to us. We have issues with this and we need your help. So Jesus, will you help us please? As you kind of remain there in a a place of prayer, I just want to give you a real quick thing. Would you just... Would you just look at your life? Would you allow the message this morning to work like a microscope? Will you allow it to illuminate and to bring into focus the deeper things of your heart? Okay? Because again, this isn't about, well, you know, uh, he wants my money. No, no. This is about allowing this to work in the way that God wants it to work. To illuminate and to show where our hearts are. Where our hearts are. So as John and the worship team come, I'm going to ask that you just kind of remain seated. They're just going to do a quick chorus. And I'm just going to ask that during that time, you allow the Holy Spirit to turn on that microscope. And you and him together look and see what God is saying about this thing. And if it needs to change, he'll help you. If you're doing great, awesome. Keep going. You can't outgive God. But whatever you're at, wherever you're at, let's let the Holy Spirit right now show us that, all right? Okay.